my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is April 3rd through the 9th, and we are celebrating Easter. Now, as I'm sure you are very aware, Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there are lots of different readings that are placed together in order to study the resurrection of Jesus Christ this week. But first, I want to talk about the death of Jesus Christ and what that meant for some of his disciples. So when Jesus Christ died, for a lot of the disciples, this was extremely jarring. It was confusing. They, I believe a lot of them had a lot of misconceptions about what Jesus Christ had been sent here to do. A lot of them were looking for a Messiah who would save them from the Romans. And it was just really, really confusing that this man that they had seen have power over everything had died. What what had happened, right? <laughs> had they been fooled again and they followed another false messiah? How could this have happened? Now I want to talk about a couple of people who were given the opportunity to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ with this idea in mind that we just talked about, that it was confusing and a tragedy that this had happened as part of the gospel. So the first one is Mary. Mary was a close friend to Christ, and she went to the tomb early Monday morning, and the tomb was empty. So she ran, she told the disciples, and they came running. They saw that he was gone. They took off. And she remained. And when she looked inside of the tomb, there were two angels there. And she didn't, at least the record doesn't indicate that she knew that they were angels. And anyway, this is, this is what happens. This is John chapter 20 and it's verse 13. It says, and they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? So the angels are asking Mary. And she saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord and I not, know not where they have laid him. Mary is not the first one to ask where Christ is. Now, let me explain that a little bit more by giving another example. So the first example that comes to mind is when Joseph Smith was sitting in Liberty Jail. And he says, O Lord, where art thou? Where is the pavilion that, that covereth thy hiding place? Right? The feeling in that experience is I expected you to be somewhere. I expected things to look a certain way. Isn't that the whole point of the gospel? Maybe you have felt this way. Have you ever asked, where are you? Why are you not where I expected? Didn't you promise to come and take care of things, to save me, to heal me? Didn't you promise that this was all part of your gospel, that you had power over everything, right? And as Mary sat there looking at that, those folded linens and weeping, she was completely unaware of the fact that Christ was standing behind her the entire time. All she felt in that moment was the pain and the confusion. Now, if she had not, if Christ hadn't, said Mary and she hadn't recognized him or she didn't even see him ever at any point after he had been resurrected, 
the blessings that came from his resurrection would have blessed her anyway. She would have still received her body again, even if she had not seen Christ in that moment. Regardless of what trial you are that's standing in front of you right now, I promise that standing behind you is Christ. I don't know, perhaps he hasn't shown himself to you yet. Perhaps he hasn't called out your name or perhaps you have not yet recognized him, right? Mary thought that the angels were just gardeners. She even thought the savior behind her at first was the gardener. I don't know why Christ chose to let Mary mourn for a while before revealing himself. However, it wasn't because he didn't adore her. If at this point in your life, he has not chosen to reveal himself or his purposes, you can know that it's not because he doesn't adore you. Everything that he does in regards to your life is motivated by love for you, all of the influence. And I can assure you that there are so many influences that he is putting into mold around your life and protect you and push you to be more than you are to become more than you are. All of that is motivated by love. Mary might not have known why Christ needed to die. She didn't know why that tragedy occurred. It didn't make sense with what she understood about the gospel. But we know how essential it was that there was tragedy. That specific tragedy occurred. Whatever tragedy that you are facing, it will be (laughs) short-lived. And that's not to say that you can't feel all those deep emotions that come with big tragedies. We don't need to pretend that that pain's not there to try to brush it under the rug and put on a brave face. In fact, I think feeling and experiencing those deep emotions and that deep pain is an essential part of exaltation. However, that pain can coincide with the belief that Christ is standing behind you just as he was with Mary. Now, the second example that I want to talk about is the road to Emmaus. So there were a couple of disciples walking along the road to a village called Emmaus, and they were discussing what had occurred. And Christ comes and joins them. And their eyes are holden, or in other words, they don't recognize Christ. And Christ is like, what what are you talking about? And they're like, have you been living under a rock? (laughs) This guy who claimed to be the Messiah has been killed, and now people are saying he's alive again. And Christ, still unknown to them, starts to unfold all these scriptures to to them about, about who he is. Now, I want you to imagine how this experience, well, first, it obviously touched them enough that they invited the Savior to come and abide with them, to stay with them that evening. And because they did that, after spending a significant amount of time with with Christ, their eyes were opened and they saw him for who he was before he disappeared. Now, I want you to imagine if this situation had been different. Let's say that these 
disciples were perhaps even traumatized by the fact that Christ had been crucified. They were angry, let's just say if, right? That they had been bitter and angry that this had happened, that they had been duped into believing in another, into another Messiah or that they had hardened their hearts because of the pain that they had been experiencing over the death of this person that they had chosen to believe in. And as this stranger comes to them and he starts explaining all these reasons why Christ had to die, et cetera, et cetera. What if they had been so angry and so bitter that they had refused to even address it, to even look at that as a possibility because of how betrayed they felt. Now, I had an experience recently where I spoke to a friend who has left the gospel, left the church. And this friend of mine studied studied the church professionally, actually. They studied the church. And as they made a study of the church, they came to a lot of conclusions that led them to believe that the church was not guided, was not divinely guided. Now, what really fascinated me about this experience was the fact that I have also come to some of those same conclusions as this friend of mine. Let me give you just a couple of examples so you can understand what I'm saying. So the first conclusion that my friend came to was that prophets have made major mistakes, that they've made big mistakes, and that these mistakes have hurt people before. Now, I also believe that prophets have made mistakes and that these mistakes probably hurt a lot of people. But we looked at it in such a different light, whereas my friend couldn't understand how someone making mistakes could still claim to be divinely inspired. They couldn't make sense of that, whereas I saw it as an essential part of the plan of salvation, right? Because if we had a perfect leader, <laughs> we wouldn't have to wrestle with things. We wouldn't have to wrestle whether about what we wanted to choose to do in our lives. We would just like, oh, well, they never make mistakes. We know exactly who to follow. This is easy. There's, there's no wrestling or no striving to figure out what's true, right? Another example. So the other example, the conclusion that they came to was that the church was holding to was holding fast to their doctrine and their ideals. And because of that, it was pushing a lot of people out, people who by no fault of their own didn't fit into the perfect mold of the church. And this friend saw this as a failure as an institution, right? This friend studied institutions. And if this church was so-called divinely inspired by God, well, then why were they pushing out so many people by holding fast to these ideals and that doctrine? And I have come to the same conclusion. The church is at a day of time where they are holding fast to ideals and doctrine. And because of this, people are leaving the church. But in my mind, the light that I view it in is if this is true and if reaching exaltation means completely sacrificing your own heart, your own self, right? 
then lowering those ideals or preaching less than the pure doctrine of Christ will really just damn all of us, <laughs> right? Everybody has the opportunity. Everybody has the opportunity to follow Christ and can be given the power that they need in order to follow Jesus Christ. But we can't force everybody to do that, right? So my friend and I, we came to these same conclusions, but we saw them in different lights. Now we live in a fallen world where there is tragedy and there are hard things, but we can choose to be like these disciples who were on the road to Emmaus where they allowed their hearts to be softened enough that the Lord was able to explain things to them. Now, I believe that to be true, right? If we let our hearts be soft enough, soft enough, the Lord can explain to us his doctrine. I imagine that it was far less scary hearing when, when you understand that Christ had to die in order for the atonement, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, okay, like there's no problem that he died. Like we understand now that's exactly what was supposed to happen. When our hearts are soft, the Lord is able to explain things that don't make sense to us right now. Now, like I said, I sometimes hesitate to teach that so directly. And that is because there are a lot of people out there who feel as though their hearts have been soft and broken for a long time. And the Lord has not come forward to reveal himself. The Lord did not choose to reveal himself immediately to these two disciples or however many disciples there were. He did not choose to reveal himself immediately. Their eyes were holden, and they could not see who they were speaking to. Just like with Mary, I don't know why the Lord did not reveal himself immediately. But that is a choice that he made, and we know he's wise, so we know his choices are right. So I don't know why that occurred, but I do know that these disciples were blessed immensely as they held on, as they kept their hearts soft enough to be listening to what Christ was, was telling them, as they chose to allow this to enter into their homes, to enter into their hearts, even when they didn't understand why the death had to occur, or why this tragedy had to occur, even if it was confusing, they continued to let these small stirrings in their hearts happen they continued to let into their homes and hearts, and because of that, they were blessed. One other side note on this story. So on the flip side, we can also choose to become like Christ and learn the doctrine so well that when one of our loved ones is struggling, we can help them see things in the proper light, right? <laughs> Let's say you are a follower of Christ. You don't really know why he died, right? This person that you've been following who had all of his power and you had all this belief in him, all of a sudden he's gone. Like, what are we supposed to do now, right? But if you had it explained to you why he had to die, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Like, of course, if we can learn the doctrine, the pure doctrine so well, we can be like Christ. We can explain that doctrine purely so that people can have their questions answered. 
because nothing changes the soul like pure doctrine. Now, in both of these examples, Mary and the disciples on the road to Emmaus, there was a choice to believe. Circling back around to Mary, she was confused and heartbroken and lost. But even in the midst of that, she still referred to Jesus Christ as my Lord. And Lord was a title of respect. It was master. And he was still her Lord, possessive, right? My Lord. Even though she had experienced this big trial that likely seemed completely unnecessary and jarring, she remained loyal to Jesus Christ. And even as she experienced this trial, this tragedy, that could have easily screamed, you are a fool for believing this, she still decided to hold fast to her Savior. She held fast when, if this had occurred nowadays, the whole world would have mocked her, saying, why can't you see the truth? Why can't you see the writing on the wall? Why can't you see what's right in front of your face? He disappointed you. He died. He lied to you. Why do you continue to choose to believe this? Mary held on, and because of that, she received a gift that very few people have been able to receive in their mortal lives. She was able to see the resurrected Savior. Thomas, one of the apostles, he heard that Christ had risen. And when he heard this, he was like, I won't believe until I can put, until I can touch the nail prints in his hands and his feet, I won't believe. Well, he is led along to Christ and he touches the nail prints in his hands and his feet and Christ, in my mind, gently <laughs> rebukes him saying, blessed are those who see and believe, but more blessed are those who don't see, but still believe. And I don't think he's saying that, oh, you're blessed if you don't see and you believe. I think he's saying you're blessed because if you look at Thomas, if he had chosen to believe in that time, if he had chosen to believe the people that he had trusted for all of this time, these people who were like, Jesus Christ is alive. If he had chosen to believe, his pain would have been lessened that much sooner. What if Thomas had never been allowed to see the resurrected Savior? What if the Savior had ascended into heaven before Thomas got a chance to see him? Would Thomas have remained embittered the rest of his life? There's a choice to believe. It is a choice. <laughs> and sometimes that choice might seem really confusing. Sometimes the writing on the wall may seem like we were fooled or that everything we thought we believed was wrong. But if we hold on... <laughs> I know that the truth of things will be revealed. That there can be a huge paradigm shift, right? We can go from wondering why the death had to happen and it was so tragic and so unnecessary and so confusing to all of a sudden being so grateful and so humbled by the fact that it happened because we know why it happened. 
we can choose to be like Mary and like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And if we do choose to be, if we do choose to hold on, if we do choose that in the midst of our pain and confusion to believe that the Savior is standing behind us or walking with us down the path that we're taking, if we choose to believe that he's there, even if we can't see him, I testify that we can find the happiness and peace that we are seeking. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.